What's going on, GT fam? This is Yami Let. Welcome to a very first podcast episode, which is coming from last Sunday's message by Pastor Joseph Santos, in which we were asking the question, who are you? If you want to know, stay tuned. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory, glory, glory. Bless his holy name. Bless his holy name. Tell your neighbor, I'm so glad you're in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. It's good to see you. If you are returning from uh, Resurrection Sunday, I just want to welcome you back. Thank you for making this church a part of your life and a part of your commitment. Did you know that you have now just become the catalyst for your family to get saved? Because you're saved, now your family is on deck. You know, that's a baseball term when they say that, you know, when, when the next batter is about to, you know, take, take his position, you're on deck. So your family's on deck. Somebody say on deck. Your family's on deck for salvation. Because you're the catalyst, you're the, you're, are the, you, you're, the, you're the person God is going to use to bring him into the kingdom. Amen? Amen. 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 It's good to see Sister Rita here after she's been backslidden for a week. Uh, you got that almond tan going on, man. I'm jealous. Came back toasty. I praise the Lord, well rested, amen, you needed that, you, need, you needed that, sometimes you need to take a Sabbath and for, for yourself, amen, how many are ready for the word of God today, I'm excited, I'm excited, it's going to be a harsh word, so prepare yourself, prepare yourself, Matthew 7, let's stand to our feet, Matthew 7, verse 21, this is familiar to all of us. This ain't nothing. This is not new revelation. This is not I'm pulling something out and taking it out of context. This is just God's word simply put. Father, we love you. We stand before you. We give you honor, glory, and praise. We thank you, Lord, for what you are doing, not just in our lives, but in this house and throughout this community. Lord, I pray that you open our eyes to see, our ears to hear. But more importantly, open our hearts to receive the word of God this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. Now, I'm going to read this slowly. Because I want you to capture and savor every word. I want this logos, the written word, to become rhema in your own heart. I need it to become alive in your own heart. Verse 21, Matthew, verse 7, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. Not everyone. That's a definite statement right there. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Now, that's counterintuitive to the gospel we've been hearing on radio, TV, Instagram, and, and all the other stuff. Because, you know... You know, whenever there's a gospel that's not in the word of God, it's not a gospel. 
And there are many that are, that are not preaching what the Word of God says. They're preaching a, a self-help message. They're, they're, they're coaching you into the kingdom, but they're not actually getting people into the kingdom. Oh, I got to leave something for preaching. I gotta, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not everyone that calls upon me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of the Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. Verse 23, but I will reply, I never knew you. Oh, that's that's harsh right there. That's harsh. That don't sound that don't sound like this grace gospel we've been hearing. That don't sound like this mercy gospel we've been hearing. That don't sound like this you can do it gospel that we've been we've been uh, flooded with. But I will reply, I never knew you. Then he's going to say, get away from me. You who breaks God's law, get away from me. You who breaks God's law. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, hold on. Got to hold on. Got to buckle up. Now, once in a while, I like to preach an easy message. Easy to digest, easy to understand, easy to comprehend. But once in a while, you got to make a stand. Once in a while, you got to draw the proverbial line in the sand and make a pastoral stand because sometimes you got to bring pastoral correction to a lot of stuff out there because we, you know, you know, there used to be a time, let, let, me, let me back up a little bit. There used to be a time where people only heard one voice. People usually came to church and heard the voice of the pastor and that was the voice they heard. And once in a while, maybe they turned on to Christian radio and, and they turned and, you know, and, and, and they might have, you know, you know, read a book or two. And, and that was like the voices they heard, but they really mostly heard the voice of the pastor. But today we are flooded with gospel information. And not everyone and not everyone that stands behind a pulpit is actually giving you a gospel message. A lot of them are encouraging you. A lot of them are influencing you. A lot of them are trying to hype you up. But we don't need hype. We need gospel. We don't need to be patted on the back and been told everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be wonderful. Everything's going to be great. Because even Jesus himself, in this life, you're going to have problems. You want to follow me? You're going to have problems. You want to be a disciple? You're going to die. You're going to be, you, you want to follow in my footsteps? It's not going to be easy. So we need to be careful. Either we're going to follow Jesus all the way, or we're going to get into this tiptoe through the tulip kind of gospel, and we're going to hope that we're going to get into, listen, I don't want to hope on getting into the kingdom. I don't want to hope. Because the price is too high to pay. I don't want to be one of these Lord Lords. I did this and I and give God a resume of all the stuff I've done. And he looked at it and said, I oh, man, I never knew you. Who are you trying to fool? Because there are those that are going to try to get in, going to try to get in by their merit and, and, and realize very quickly 
that God is not impressed. One of the scariest, you know, a few, these are probably the three scariest verses in the entire Bible. Because this, this, this kind of gospel scares me. Now, you, I know some of you think that maybe Revelation is scary. You know, you got stuff in the book of Revelation that even, even some of the greatest theologians can't point their finger on. But they know that something bad is happening. Every time those seals break and every time those vials break and every time those bowls break, you know, there's something bad that's going to happen. But you know what? That only happens to the unjust. That happens to the left behind folk. That happens to the people that don't make it into the kingdom. You know, this, however, applies to us. Because in this text, God is telling you himself that not everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Not everyone. Because there are some that don't do the Father's will. They do their own will. And they think because, because they keep it in line or they keep it adjusted that things are going to be okay. But let me tell you something. We got to get off of that horse. And we got we to realize that, that, that we serve a real God. And that we serve, we serve a God that already put a precedence before. He said, he said you got to do it this way. And this is the only way you got to do it. Because everybody out there is preaching a false gospel. And trying to get people hyped up into the kingdom. And the truth of the matter is, it's God's way or it's not anyway. And the text here in the bottom, in bottom of 23, if you go back to your Bible, you go back to 23, and it says, get, you know, Jesus is saying, get away from me, you who break God's laws. And now there are people teaching that we live in the New Testament and that we don't have to, do, you know, we, we, we're not confined to the law. We don't have to do the law. But let me tell you something. The law was perfect because God wrote it. The law was perfect. There was nothing wrong with the law. So the fact that we're in the New Testament, we're in a testament of grace. But the law is still the law. Thou shalt not still means thou shalt not. Thou shalt still means thou shalt. But we get into this hyper gospel about grace and prosperity or grace and mercy or, or mercy and grace. And we forget that we still got to serve a real God. And we, get, and we get caught up in all these voices that don't have your best interests at heart. A pastor has your best interests at heart. Because people love to get, you know, they, 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 follow, they follow people, they follow you know, individuals or they follow preachers or they follow pre uh, 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 churches or they follow teachings. And then what happens when they get disappointed? What happens to your faith when you put your faith on a system and you get disappointed? Now you hurt. And now you're wondering if everything they taught you was real or not. And we get caught up in a mess that we should have never gotten into. Because God wanted us to be in, 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 in a system of fellowship. It's a new system. 
Church is, a, is, a, is, is, is mostly a new system because when the early disciples got filled with the Holy Spirit, they did not go back to synagogue. They went to each other's homes. They went from home to home and they began spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it wasn't called Christianity. As a matter of fact, it was called the way. It was called the Nazarene. Christianity became a term that was used in Antioch years later to make fun of those that practiced the way of themselves Nazarenes. We regrouped as a society and then began to embrace the idea that we are Christian. But what does it mean to be Christian? Well, back in the early church, to be Christian was to be Christ-like. Got a question for you. Are we Christ-like? People on Facebook, are we Christ-like? Do you imitate the Christ? Does our life reflect Christ? Or do people have to wonder? Is our testimony so strong that people got no question, that's a Christian? My wife pointed out, you know, carrying your Bible. You know, there used to be a time that you can tell who was a Christian or not because of the Bible. They carried the Bible. People carried the Bible. Now we carry the Bible just like I do on our phones. We got, you know, we got many versions. We got the King James Version. We got the New King James. We got the Amplified. We got the NIV. We got the NLT. We got the Message Bible. I mean, we got all kinds of versions because, you know, we like to read different things. And I carry, I carry my Bible everywhere, but, but it's in my phone. It's not as an identification marker as carrying the actual Bible. So what else is going to stand out to other people that is going to say or convey that we are Christians, that we are like the Christ? Because after all, everybody's a Christian. Christianity is, is, is actually fashionable. More and more people are confessing that they're Christian, but they, but they don't practice a Christian lifestyle. And what that, do, what, what, what that does to the people that are actually trying to fulfill a Christian lifestyle, it puts us in a bad light. I mean, pastors who... Who, who are taken to drunkenness. Pastors who drink. Pastors who occasionally smoke. And I'm not talking about tobacco. I'm talking about that wacky tobacco. With their God made it theology. You know, God made poison ivy, too. God made arsenic. You know, there are things that God made that, I, you know, that is not meant for ingesting. I'm just saying. And there are pastors out there. And, I, you know, I get on pastors because they should know better. After all, did not, didn't they spend four years of their lives in Bible school? 
at the minimum, four years of their life in Bible school, they should know better. See, I get mad at them because they, may, they try to make us look bad. Because we're trying to follow. We're trying to do what God has called us to do. We're, 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 we're complying with the letter of the law. As well as the grace and mercy. You know what grace and mercy is? Just in case you missed it. You ever been to a 7-Eleven? You ever been to a 7-Eleven and you needed that one penny? You ever had the, pen, you ever had the penny dish? You know, like take one, leave one. Right? You ever needed like, you know, you ever needed that one cent to make it a dollar so you can purchase whatever it is you're purchasing? That's what grace is. Grace is that penny. Grace is the penny. Grace is not the 99 cents. Grace is the penny. But there are people out there that make it look like grace is the 99. I can't live, you know, I can't live that way. That's living lawlessness. Because we're not living accordingly. You see, God called us to a higher standard. God, God called us because a lot is weighing on us. You know that people are watching you? People watch Christians. They love. When they find out that you are born again, yo, every eye's on you. They're just waiting for you to say that one curse word. They're watching you when you, when, when you sit down for lunch if you're praying for your meals. See, they don't like it when you say, hey, let's pray for our food. No, they don't like that, but they're watching you to make sure that, are you doing it? They want to make sure, you know, you know, do you walk the walk? Do you talk the talk? They want to see if you get upset. They want to see how you handle stress. You know what puts more stress on people? The fact that, we're watch that other people are watching. Now we really got stress. We had stress in our job, but now we got double the stress because all eyes are on us. And we're like thinking, yo, if I say one word, if I say one word out of character, people are going to blame God. People are going to call me a hypocrite. It's like you can't get mad in the office. It's like no one's going home early until all these files are done. And you're the only one saying, praise the Lord. Because <laughs> you can't get mad, even though internally you're like, wow. We got prayer tonight. Wow. See, on the inside, see, that's your inside voice. On the outside, we say, yes, you know you're right. No one should leave until all these files are done. Because after all, it was our responsibility to do it on a correct and timely manner. But because certain people were on their phone all day, it didn't get done. That's your inside voice. That's your inside voice. Because the world puts unnecessary stress and strain. Because you're trying to be a good representative of the kingdom of God. And the problem is that we, you know, there are those that have this liberal gospel. That we can be whatever we want and it's okay. And I got news for you. It's not okay. Let me move on. Number one, heaven is exclusive. Heaven is not for everybody. Look at your neighbor. Don't say nothing. That person sitting next to you may not get in. Heaven is exclusive. Did you know that heaven got gates? That tells me something. Heaven has gates. Who are they keeping out? Who's going to get the gate shut on them? 
Who's going to be at the gates with their, with their arms wrapped around the bars and say, come on, man, let's open up. I cast out demons. I, I, say, I, I healed the sick. I spoke in tongues. Heaven's got walls. There are walls in heaven. Tall ones. Most jumbo jets fly at what, 34,000 feet? 34, 33, 31, right? You know that the measurement of heaven's gates in Revelation is higher than that? Those are some tall walls. That's a big city. And who are they keeping out? Because heaven is an exclusive place. Not everyone gets to go. Ask yourself this question. Are you sure you're going to heaven? I'm going to put the guilt on you. I'm going to put the guilt on you. Just like Pat Robinson used to do. I'm going to put the guilt on you. Because see, in a few minutes, I'm going to, have a, I'm going to open up this altar. For, 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 I'm going to open up this altar. And I'm going to call you out. I'm going to ask you to come to the altar. Because I want to make sure that you know. Without a shadow of a doubt. If today was your last day on earth. If, you, if today was your last day on earth. Are you going to make it to heaven 100%? With, with, without a second thought. Without a dying breath moment where you say. Get the pastor. I want him to pray for me. Don't wait for that. Oh I'm still young. I got plenty of time for that. Really? You got plenty of time? You know that the Bible says that your days are numbered? Your days are numbered. That means you don't get an extra one. I was having a conversation with somebody who is, who is born again. And we're, we're talking. But we're going back and forth. We're having this dialogue. And he said, there's nothing you can do. No, God knows every day of your life. God knows the day you were born, the day you're going to die. There's nothing you can do to change that. Look at that young man in Florida just a few months ago. He was enjoying a, the, you know, the park in Florida. He went on a ride like, like, like thousands of people before him. And he's the only one that dies. Young guy, what, 17 years old? How old? 14. He was younger than that. Look, 14 years old. Who's here? Who here is older than 14? Come on, anybody here? I'm way older than 14. I'm way Way older than four. You know what? You got more life than he did. You got more days than he did. And was he ready to go? Was he prepared? I don't know that. I don't know his spiritual life. I'm not his pastor. I know yours. Please don't make me a liar in your funeral. I don't want to lie about you. I don't want to say, look, Elizabeth was a good. <laughs> Elizabeth was a good soul. Want to do like some past? Remember back in the old days, they would say, "Ese, ese se fue para el infierno." They were really like, "No, I don't want that guy to do my funeral." Yes, that one. Yes. We have. Listen, if you're not a hundred percent sure that 
if you were to leave this earth, you will make it to heaven. I'm going to let you think about it. Because when you come up to this altar, you got to mean business. You just can't, this is, you know, you just can't come up here and then still live like you're living. This is the place that everything changes. This is the place that you say, Lord, from this moment on, I am going to live a better life. And if I don't know, I'm going to get around people that know how to live a better life. You see, that's why it's our responsibility so that people can see the Jesus in us. Like Paul said, if you can't follow Jesus, follow me because I follow Jesus. How many of us will dare say that? How many of us will stand before your friends, family, you know, your, your, your school, your community? You know, you know, how many of you would dare say, listen, if you can't follow Jesus, that's okay. You follow me. I'll take you there. Because that's a bold statement. And that means that everything you do better line up with the word of God. Because you got a lot of, you got a lot of people out there trying to sell you a gospel to fill up a church. I'm not, my job is not to fill up church. My job is to fill up heaven. And I can, you know, I can preach an encouraging message that everybody makes it. But I'll be lying to you. And guess who's on the list of not making it? I'll be one of those at the gate. Going, but I said, I preach. I said, Lord, Lord, I, I, I cast out. No, no, you didn't. Heaven is exclusive. And not everybody makes it. This is like an exclusive, exclusive club. Are you heaven bound? Do you want to make heaven your home? Because on this earth, you got choices. You can choose to follow Jesus 100% of the way, or you can choose not to. But you got that choice. You got to make that choice. Because I can't save you. As much as I want to, I can't. I wish I had that power, but I don't. All I can do is use the power of the pulpit and the power of my words to try to influence you to think just a little bit differently. I want you to go home. I want you to be angry. I want you to go home. I want you to be mad at pastor and say, how dare him tell me I'm not going there. Who does he think he is? And then I want the Holy Spirit to start working in your life. Because, because when you question, when you question, when you question the preaching, you question the preacher, you question the pastor, then you start really exploring. Then you start really looking and saying, okay, what is it that really God says about this subject? And you'll start exploring God for yourself. And you're going to come to this conclusion. Jesus was right. The Holy Spirit was right. And as much as I hate to admit it, pastor was right. You don't have to admit it. You don't have to. You can keep that to yourself. You can die with that secret. It's not going to make me. It's not going to change me. It's not going to make me different. I already got a bloated head. I don't need more. You know, number two, works don't work. Everybody thinks that if they do good things, they're going to go to heaven. If I only did this, if I only, if I only gave more, you know, if I give God a big offering, if I, if I, if, if I give God a big, listen, you can't buy your way into the kingdom. I'll tell you why. The price has already been paid. You can't bribe God. 
He makes streets of gold. Those gates that I was talking about, those, those, those walls that I was talking about, they're made out of precious gems. They're made out of pearls. They're made out of, they're made out of stuff we haven't even fathomed to think. God doesn't need your money. The church needs your money because that costs money. And next month, when it's 90 degrees and 110 degrees and 110 in humidity, you're going to want those air conditioners on. If they work. If they work. Let's pray. We're going to lay hands on the air conditioner. The air conditioner are 20 years old. They've been here 20 years. Man, we use them sparingly. I said, you're not sweating. You ain't praising God hard enough. Then everybody over 40, they're mad at me. Pastor, put on the air conditioner. It's hot in here. No, you're hot. Everybody else is cool. Look at me. I'm wearing a coat. I don't sweat. Too cool for that. But the rest of y'all, works don't work. You can't buy your way into the kingdom. You can't bribe God. You can't say because you did something. I did something really, really special. I spoke to somebody and they got to say, big deal. God, God is not impressed. You know why God is not impressed? Because Jesus already did it all. And we still haven't gotten to the place. You know, remember the part where Jesus said, this and greater works you're going to do? We have not gotten to that part yet. Oh, yeah, we pray for a, few, for, for a few headaches. We pray for one or two cancers. We got success with that, praise the Lord. We pray for a broken leg. Looks okay to me. You know, we got that going on. But I've yet to raise the dead. And quite frankly, sometimes, you know, I say, you, you want me to, no, no, they hollow. <laughs> you want me to pray for your wife? No, no, you okay with that? We have not raised the dead. We certainly not walked on water that's liquid. I've walked on water, but it's ice. It's in a solid form. We've never walked on water. We never raised the dead. Or at least we haven't done, we haven't done it yet. So, we are the greater works. Now, we did feed 5,000. That we did. But technically, it wasn't with a loaf of bread or a fish. It was a food pantry. <laughs> but we did feed over 5,000. I mean, that was, a food, that was a food pantry ministry and food pantry miracle. But that still wasn't two, two loaves of bread and a, and a couple of... That wasn't a filet fish sandwich that Jesus broke up and said, now go feed them. And the disciples are looking at them. What, with crumbs? And all of a sudden, somebody pulled out a sandwich and another one pulled out a sandwich. And said, where's this food coming from? I don't see nothing there. It's not for you, it's for them. They're the ones with enough faith to blindly go into a basket... And pulls something out. Disciples looking at a crumb. It's crumbs in here. Why is he eating? It wasn't until the end. That they got those leftovers. And all of a sudden they got, they got, 12, they got 12 leftovers. 12 baskets of leftover. They're like oh Lord. And he did not do it once. He did it twice. He fed the 5,000 the 4,000. And we're talking about men. The Bible only counts men. I'm sorry ladies. NRA wasn't born yet. That whole equal life, right, rights amendment. 
No, you know why it was easy? You know why they counted the men? Because it's easy to count men in the church. Look around. I can count men right here. One, two, three, four, five, six. It's so much easier than going one, two, three, four, five. It's so much easier. Let's just count the men. Okay, we got nine. <laughs> That's why the men got counted. It was easier to count the men than count everybody there. And God did it not once but twice. But this is not about works. You can't impress God. You can't work your way into the kingdom. Even in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, as much good works that they did, like Moses, like Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob, and David, and Solomon, and Hezekiah, and Isaiah, and Ezekiel, and Hosea, and, 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 and Jonah. I forgot Jonah, man. Jo- Jonah was a trip. I'm still wondering if he made it into the kingdom. Because he didn't like people. He was anti-people. But you know what? In the Old Testament, people, people the, the, the closest they got to God was a place called paradise that happened to be in hell. That's the closest they got to God. Abraham, they, 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 used, they nicknamed it or they, they called it Abraham's bosom or paradise. And that, that was just right across the abyss between... Between Abraham and, and hell was the abyss. So nobody can cross over. No one, can, no one from here can go over there. And no one from over there can come over here. But it was still the same place. It wasn't until Jesus came along and said, you know, forget your works. My blood is sufficient. So when we say, I know it was the blood. I'm not going to sing it. I'm tempted. I'm tempted. I'm not going to sing it. I'm not going to embarrass you, you know, you and your team, because, you know, I can do it better. You know, they wanted me on American Idol. They just wanted to laugh. <laughs> but when, I, when we sing, I know it was the blood, I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. Because when I was destined to hell, the blood interfere with my destiny. So it wasn't works. It wasn't because I did good things. It wasn't, be, it wasn't because, I, you know, th- th- there were things in my life that, that, that God took notice and said, you know what? That is exceptional. No, my, Paul said, all my righteousness is as dirty rags. Everything I do is garbage. He said it's a done power. Everything I do, he compared his works, his missionary works. He compared, his, he compared everything that he'd done on the physical term. He compared that to a done, a done heap. He said nothing I do is good. Only God. Let's go to number three. Number three. We're almost there. We're almost there. The wheels are out. The plane is on a trajectory to land. We're almost there. Get happy. Come alive. Lunch is coming. I know some of you are starving. We're starving. You're not starving. You're hungry. You're hungry because you were late for church and you didn't have breakfast. See, I think about all these things, man. I woke up at 542, man. I had my coffee. I had my botello. Because I ain't Christian until I had that botello. I ain't even saved until I have that coffee. I need at least four cups just to make me right. Not even saved, just to make me right enough to come to the altar and say, Lord, 
I'm an addict. I admit it. Then I had a big old giant iced coffee. It's like drink iced coffee. Iced coffee is good for you. You know, the harshest thing we ever see God saying is get away from me. God, who says, come to me, right? He said, behold, I knock, right? Remember that revelation? Behold, I knock out the door. Anyone that opens, I will come in, right? That's an invitation, right? That's an invitation into your heart, right? Everything, everything that we know about God has always come to me. All these that are heavy laden and burdened and troubled. I'm going to give you rest. Right? Take my burden. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Everything that he does is to make us feel good. Is to comfort. Is to give us peace. Is to give us, you know, is, is to give us a chance in life. But there's one verse that, you know, that just says it all. He says, get away from me. Workers of iniquity. Those that lawbreakers. Get away from me, lawbreakers. Those that break the law of God. That's harsh. And think about who this audience is. Church, think about who he's talking to. He's not talking to sinners. He's not talking to the heathens. Because at least the heathens know that they're not going to make it. I mean, real, I mean, you know, real sinners, I mean, people that are really, really, you know, they just know it. You know some of these people. You know people, yeah, don't talk to me about church, I'm going to hell. There are people that, there are people that have that boldness. God don't want me. God don't want me, church don't want me, I know your pastor don't want me, that's why I'm going to hell. And then, and, then, and then they conjure up some thought. They get a song in their head. I'd rather, I rather, I, I rather laugh with the sinners and cry with the saints. Okay, I'm just saying. I'm saying you got to go back to the 70s for that one. But there are people that actually think that they're going to party in hell. They actually think it's going to be a great place. It's going to be a great day. All my friends are there. We're going to be there. We're going to party. We're going to rule in hell. No, you're not. I got news for you. Even Satan don't rule in hell. No, not after the resurrection. After the resurrection, Satan is in deep check. All you got to say is Jesus and demons are like. Wasn't me. That's not ruling. That's that's that 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 is a fantasy. And believe me when I tell you, you don't want to go to hell. You don't even want to visit this place. You don't even want to see a picture of it. You don't even want to see a movie about it. But his audience are not sinners. They're saints. They're, actually, well, they're not even saints. They're, they're people that think they're saved. How about that? They're people that think they're saved that are not saved. And there are plenty of them in the kingdom. There are plenty of them in church. They go to church to start trouble. They go to church to stir up the pot. They go to church to defy they go to church to say, it's okay if you do this. It's okay if you do that. Because, you know, you're such an authority. You died, you died on the cross, so you know. And whole churches have been built on this premise. This, it's okay. 
It's okay mentality. It's okay to do this. It's okay to do that. God loves you. Yeah, God loves you, but does he like you? How many know people you like that you go on vacation with? How many people you love that you're like, "Mm, I'm not taking them? Like you love your brother, you love your sister, but you're not going on vacation with them? (laughs) I'm hitting you where it hurts, don't it? This is reality preaching. This ain't that fake stuff that, we, that we've been hearing about in, on the internet, the radio, or, you know, whatever forms of media you get your, your information from. I know this ain't no good feel, good message. You know, you're going to be like, oh, pastor, that was awesome. I ain't talking to nobody in this church because nobody's going to stand there and say, pastor, you were talking to me. Nobody's going to admit this. They're going to be like, hey, man, great message. Even though, yes, it was for me. I'm not going to admit it. I will never admit that you were right. After all, I got my pride to contend. That's why you're a lawbreaker. But the harshest thing that God will ever say is get away from me. I don't know you. God, can you imagine God admitting That he doesn't know something. Now I said earlier. He knows the day you were born. And the day you die. You don't get an extra day. He knows all the hairs on top of your head. He's counted. He's taken out the time. To count the number of hairs on your head. You who are mothers right. You have your baby right. If he's bald it's easy. He's got four hairs. But if you got a full set of hair. It's like, you might start as a mother, you know, you love your baby, you want to start one, two, three, four. You might get to 192, 193, you lose track. You know, you forget where your finger was, you take a dose, you know, and I got to start again, one, two, three. Even you're not interested in how many hairs your baby got. But if your baby's bald like Nayla was for two years, it was easy to, you know, we used to tape a bow on her head. So people know she was a girl. We used to tape a bow, scotch tape, pull that sucker out. Well, didn't it hurt when you take it off? No, she's bald. Now she's got all this hair. She won't comb it. It's like comb your hair. We don't even take an interest in our own children, and yet God knows everything about us. Knows every hair on your head. Made your nose just a little bit crooked right on the tip. It's not perfect. He just made it just a little bit crooked. Why? Because he likes it that way. Because when you were in your mother's belly, he was putting you together. He was niching you together. He was putting everything about you. Maybe you wanted blue eyes like your brother or your sister, but he gave you brown eyes instead. And you're different from the rest of the family because you're the only one with brown eyes. Why? Because God wanted you to want to give you all the attention. Because everybody says, look, all your brothers got blue eyes. You're the only one with brown eyes. 
Because you're the only one that stands out. He made everything about you. And here's the thing. He created you in his image. He created you to be a reflection of his image on earth. That's what we're supposed to be. That's what Christianity means. That's what being Christ-like means. It means that you become a reflection of who God is on earth. This is why when I pray you out, I always remind you. I always remind you. It's not like I don't, I, I'm not praying nothing new. I just want to drill this thing in you. Why? Because that's the only way we're going to learn. That the only Jesus people see is the one that you show. Because the next time you lose your temper and the next time you tell your boss, I am not. Well, well this is the company iPad, right? You know, remember that. Next time you want to lose your temper, next time, next time you want to, you get all fired up, and next time the flesh arises, maybe God will remember, remind you of who you are so that maybe you don't lose it because it's too risky because the kingdom of God is at stake. And all those seeds that you have been throwing out for years, you've been trying to plant those seeds, will, will somehow take root. But you can, you can, you can re yank out all those roots in one moment, you lose, your, you lose your temper. In one moment of the flesh, you can lose everything you built. It took you years to build. Might have taken you years and years and years. And you don't think, listen, you may, not, you may not think it or you may not see the results right away because after all, when we preach, don't we want to see people get saved? It's like, man, if I tell somebody about Jesus, I want them to get saved right there. Let's pray right now. I know we're in the line for, at, at the cashier and I know we're in line to, you know, to, to purchase our food, but let's pray right now. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be great? But I know it takes years and years and years of cultivating, but you can blow it in one moment. You can blow it in one moment, one moment of time, one moment that you get angry, one moment that you lose your temper, one moment that you let the flesh rise, one moment that your life doesn't reflect Jesus. That's why I'm constantly drilling into you. Let your life reflect who God is. Because people don't know God. People don't know Jesus. They know you. And here's the thing. They expect you to be like Christ. You may not feel like being Christ, but like, they expect you to be like Christ. Because the minute you're blowing, what's the first thing they're going to say? You hypocrite. You a hypocrite. You preach to me and look at you. Because, see, that's what makes them feel better. That's what gives them the okay to continue that lifestyle they're living. But when you take a stand, and when you say no, and when you say let your nose be, like the Bible says, let your nose be no and your yes be yes, when you have those moments... When you take a stand for the kingdom, when you take a stand for the kingdom and you say, no, we're not going to do this. We're not going to teach our children this. We're not going to teach our children that. You got a voice. And we can use it in a strong, productive, polite manner. Because we don't have to consort to what the world is doing. Because the world likes to use metaphors that are not very colorful, that are vulgar. But we can use our words. We can use our words. And we can let our life reflect who God is for the rest of the world. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Worship team, you can join me up here for a minute. I'm going to bring this up so...
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I pray that one day you can look back on this message and say, you know what, I'm glad I came to hear that word. I know that right now you're not too happy. You're not too, you're looking at your friend, you brought me here for this? Don't you said he was good? This is the truth, right, Derby? I mean, it's the truth. Come on, let's be real here. You know, sometimes, sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's going to be your victory message, and other times it's going to be the God's honest truth. Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, is getting into the kingdom. Heaven is an exclusive group. Not everybody's going to get to go. But wouldn't you like to go? Is there anyone here who is not sure of their own salvation? Is there anyone here who is backslidden? Is there anyone here who's got one foot in church and one foot in the world? Is there anyone here that just needs prayer and saying, Pastor, I've been, be- I've been-, I've been beaten up. I feel like I've been trampled on. I feel like I got nothing left. I feel like I've been doing this on empty. This is just fumes. I'm going on fumes. If you feel this way and this category fits you in any, any way, any of these categories, I want you to come up to this altar as the worship team will lead us in a song. Come, I just want to pray for you. I'm not here to embarrass you. I promise I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. Here I am. Here I stand. Lord, my life is in your hands. Lord, I'm longing to see your desires revealed in me. I give myself
Surrendering yourself to Christ. Surrendering yourself to God. To admitting that there is something in your life that has, has, is a hindrance. And surrendering and saying, Lord, here I am. This is me. I'm not perfect. I'm not even, I'm not even a good candidate. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't even choose me to be on team Jesus. I wouldn't even choose me. But, but thousands of years before I was even born, you chose me because you chose to die for me on the cross. And then you chose to resurrect on that Sunday morning. You chose that when there was nothing good about me. That's why we surrender. Because when we surrender, we submit ourselves to the authority of who God is. And it might take a little while because this is something new. And, and slowly, there are things that God will immediately remove from you and say, that's it, no more. And then there are other things that becomes a process. But as you in the process... God is working inside of you and God is doing something new each and every day. And sometimes we got to count those small victories. I know we want to win the big battle, but sometimes you got to win a lot of little ones before you can win the war. You got to win a lot of battles before you win the war. And I know some of you are still, you're still at your seat, balcony, down here, maybe feeling a little intimidated. You're saying, I want to go up, but man, I don't trust that pastor. It's okay. It's okay. I'm good with that. You don't know me. You know, I could be one of those pushy pastors. You know the ones that lay hands on you and then push you? You ever seen those guys? You know, they feel super spiritual because they touch somebody and they fall on the floor and they're like, oh, the power of God is all over them. Like to find that in the Bible. Just saying. Just saying, Bible's on manual. All I'm saying, if you get slain in the spirit, you better be a whole different person. You better be like Moses walking around with a, with a, with a scarf because the, the, the presence of God is so strong on you, people can't stand to look at you. Now, that's one guy that reflected God. Literally. Literally. They had to cover him up. They couldn't stand it. But I'm saying, praise God for you here. Praise God for you over there because you still got a chance. I'm not saying you got to run up here. You got to run, 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 run to the altar. You might want to. I don't know. But you still got a chance because you can still pray from your seat. Because we're going to pray out loud. We're, we're all going to pray together. 
And you can be sincere with God and say, Lord, I should have been up there, but I'm not, but here I am. Lord, hear my prayer too. Amen? Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I stand before you. I repent of all my sins and all iniquity. And Lord, I pray that you write my name in the book of life. Restore me to fellowship. Make me one with the Father. Fill me with your Holy Spirit to teach me all things from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. God bless you. May the peace of the Lord be with you. Pastor Praise Maria. the Lord. Hallelujah. My life.